Couch Conversations is a place for community and leaders to get together to talk about what's on their minds. Have you ever wondered what people are really thinking when it comes to behavioral health and wellness? And is the community and those making decisions on the same page when it comes to solutions? That's what we're here to explore. Listen in as we connect community and Palm Beach County systems in an open conversation to help each other understand and explore behavioral health and wellness needs and solutions together. Hey, good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome back to the Be Well Palm Beach County Community Connected Couch. We are so here. We're so glad to be here. We're going to be discussing uh, tonight a very hot topic, affordable housing and your mental health. Once again, we are the Be Well Palm Beach County Community Connectors, and we are here sitting on the couch with system leaders of Palm Beach County and residents. So first of all, I just want to say we only have one house rule. Be respectful of each other's opinions. Other than that, we're looking for some rich, engaging conversation. So tonight, I'm going to start off by introducing myself. I am Rosa White. I am a Boynton Beach resident, as well as a very proud Be Well PBC Palm Beach County Community Connector. I'm also going to ask the other connectors, community connectors on the, this slide to introduce themselves. Now, we have Christian Sanyon, who's in the background, who's not feeling well today. But be really be assured, rest assured that he is definitely a team player and a team member. So I'm going to start and allow Gurna to introduce herself. Good evening, everyone. I'm Gurnam Khalsa. I live in the northeast end of West Palm Beach. And uh, it's a joy to be with you tonight. I will help facilitate the conversation, which I imagine will not need much facilitation because it will just be spontaneously rich. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're just looking for some good conversations back and forth. So, uh, TK, can you introduce yourself, please? Hello, everyone. I'm TK Karstarfin. I am from Delray Beach, Florida, and I'm also a, a community connector. So welcome everyone, and I'm looking forward to the rich conversation as well. Absolutely, thank you so much, guys. Okay, before I go any further, so some of you may be thinking to yourself, what is a Be Well PBC Community Connector? I'm gonna tell you, we are resident influencers. We operate as a bridge between the residents and the system leaders to help them engage in meaningful, meaningful conversations about behavioral health and how it affects the community. With that said, that's a mouthful, guys, I know. <laughs> that's a mouthful. But with that said, I'm going to start to introduce the residents and the leaders that we have on the couch tonight. First of all, I'm going to start with the system leaders. We have Wendy, and raise your hand as I introduce you, please. Wendy Tibbetts. Wendy is with the Palm Beach County Community Service Department. Thank you so much for being on the couch, Wendy. We thank you. Thank you. Okay, next we have Israel Craig. Craig, did I say that correctly, Israel? Yes. Israel Craig. He is a Delray, he's uh, with the Delray Beach Initiative to End Homelessness. Thank you so much for being on the couch. Next we have Lydia Charles. She's the Vice President of Housing Services, Community Partners of South Florida. Hello, thank you. Thank you, Lydia, for being on the couch. Uh, did I miss anyone? I'm sorry, yes, Patrice, can you, um, Patrice is with 211 Helpline. Yes. Thank you, Patrice. And Jessica, I don't have your information who you're with. Can you please tell us who you're with? Sure, I'm with Kids Advocacy of Florida. Thank you so much, Jessica. And we thank you guys for being on the couch tonight. Uh, I'm going to go right into introducing the uh, residents. And we're going to give them, as I introduce them, we're going to give them two, two to three minutes to say what brought them to the couch tonight. Why are you here? First of all, we have Morris Kostopian, a Delray Beach resident. Hey, good evening. Hey, Rose, thank you for this opportunity. I don't think I'm going to need two to three minutes. I'll just save some of that time for the conversation. Um, but I was invited here by TK um, um, today to set in to discuss um, housing and, and mental health. And it was it's, it's very interesting, those two topics, 
um, housing and how they directly related to one another on how housing really could have a negative impact or a positive impact on your, on your mental health. And so I would be curious to see how, listen to other people and what they views and they take on how um, they view this. Um, so I'm very, very um, appreciative of this opportunity and thank for this opportunity to be able to share my thoughts on, um, on housing and mental health and possibly share some of my personal experience on how housing have impacted my, my mental health on a positive way and a negative way. Um, so I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Morris. Next, we have Allie Hall. She's a Riviera Beach resident. Allie, could you tell us uh, what brought you to the couch tonight? Um, sure. I was invited to the couch tonight by Guru Nam Khalsa. Um, and I came to discuss uh, current housing crisis and its impacts in the community. I have been, which most people have impact, impacted directly by it. Um, so I came to discuss that and to find out other other things and see how I could possibly help within the community as well. Thank you so much. Next, we have a resident from Green Acres, Ray Whiteley. Mr. Whiteley, Mr. Whiteley, can you please tell us what brought you to the couch? Other than me begging and asking and, <laughs> and praying. Um, well, so I have eight children. And out my eight children, eight of them are on their own. My wife and I are at home with three of our grandchildren, and we love it. My daughter's rent, my baby daughter's rent went up from $1,600 to $2,400 a month. My other daughter's rent is, is going up from $1,900 to maybe $2,600, $2,700. That's affecting my mental health. Absolutely. It's affecting my mental health. Just hearing you listen, listening uh, to you say that. I do love family. I love to be around family, but I see where it's going. And eventually, um, they're all going to have to move in with me. You know, I do love them, but I do want them to be able to live on their own. And the trend or whatever's going on, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. You know, so that's something that I struggle with, not only with my own children, but as a community leader, you hear the horror stories and it's difficult to unhear them when you hear them. Um, I just spoke to a friend of mine today who was laid off from his uh, job and, and, and him being laid off and collecting unemployment. How could he even afford to live? So... That's what brings me to the couch today. I see Commissioner Mac, Mac Bernard is on and um, I'm hoping that he'll be able to bring some answers and we'll talk about things that as a community will we'll be able to live some solutions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you, Commissioner, for popping in. Thank you so much for popping in and joining us. Yes, can we give him the um, opportunity to, to uh, I know we were introducing everyone but, yeah. Yes. Um, it's Commissioner Mark Bernard um, from Palm Beach County Board of Commissioners. Um, thank you for joining, like um, Rosa mentioned. Uh, what we're doing right now, just to give a brief overview of what's happened so far, we've uh, introduced ourselves as community connectors, and then we've gone over the um, the community or the system leaders that are on the couch. Um, and then that's all posted in the chat as well. If you look in the chat, you'll see the confirmed leaders and confirmed residents. And then right now we're just going through the residents and giving them a few um, minutes to discuss why they're here on the couch. But um, feel free to introduce yourself and then we'll move back on to the confirmed residents. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Mac Bernard, County Commissioner for District 7. Uh, you know, I was, um, you know, my assistant told me that, hey, Mac, you need to get on the couch. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I've been, uh, I've been at a lot of things, but not on the couch. So 
Uh, but we have a lot of issues that are going on in Palm Beach County, and the issue of housing is something that uh, that's really plaguing our residents. So I'm just happy to be on the couch to listen to uh, the different voices in terms of what's going on. And then hopefully we're able to kind of like um, discuss some solutions in regards to housing. All right, and before we transition, uh, Rose, I just want to uh, give a reminder that it's open dialogue, open conversation. So it's not necessarily a interview. Just want that reminder to go across the board for everyone um, as far as system leaders, as well as confirmed um, community members. It's a dialogue, open dialogue and conversation, not an interview. So. Yes. Thank you, TK. Just think of yourself as being at home, sitting on your couch with your family and friends, and you guys just conversating back and forth. So we want it to be a relaxed atmosphere. Just uh, be mindful of each, each person's uh, personal opinions. And other than that, just flow with the conversation. So we're going to go to, uh, we were done with Ray. Were you uh, done, Mr. Whiteley? You done? Look, you're getting very comfortable. Yes, I was finished. I just saw my friend James Green, who is the director of community services. He just joined joined the call too. Oh, we got some big hitters on the call today. So, um, but I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I am all done. Okay, so Mr. James, do you want to introduce yourself as well? What's up, good people? Um, James Green, director of community services. Uh, happy to, to join the conversation. Thank you so much for being here. So guys, before I go to the next resident, because we're going to kind of um, let her tell her story. It may take more than two or three minutes because it's a very um, heartfelt story. Um, so we have all been hearing um, unbelievable rate, rate hikes, rent, rent increases. Uh, I cannot believe. I just... Um, Myself, I'm a homeowner and I deal with this, but I have compassion for those of my friends that are having to deal with this, deal with this and having to figure out how to move the money around and um, maybe go out and get another job, whatever they have to do to, to meet that increase. So it's been unbelievable for me. And I know we've been hearing the, the buzzword, especially in the Palm Beach County area, uh, price out of paradise. And for some that might be um, humorous, but it's reality. Right, it's reality for a lot for a lot of the people that are dealing with this right now. Uh, this affordable housing and it's affecting um, their mental health, their family mental health, and uh, people around them. So, with that said, I'm going to introduce uh, Rhonda Rogers, who's a Boynton Beach resident. I saw her go through uh, her um, um, rent increase, and I saw in real time how it mentally affected her. You know, her deciding whether to stay, whether to go, move in with somebody else. But I'll let her uh, tell her story and the mental anguish that she went through making the decision uh, whether to stay or go or what to do about her rent increase. So, Rhonda, could you take the floor, please? Yeah, I would be glad to take the couch, Rand. And so, yes, as Rosa mentioned, she invited me to the couch. And I didn't even realize that I was going through it as, as Rosa described it because it was in real time and it was actually happening to me. And those of you who do not know, Rosa is one of my dear friends. And so when you're going through something like this, who do you lean on? Lean on? You lean on your friends. And so I was uh, very shocked. I live in a great community. And so what I wanted to share with folks is it doesn't just help happen to people who are what you will consider low income or whatever. I make a very good living. I make a very good living and I'm very uh, thankful for the amount of money that I am able to make a year. But even with that said, it was absolutely ridiculous. The notification that I got when my rent jumped over $1,200 in an apartment complex. And I purposely choose to live in a purpose uh, apartment complex because I'm a single woman and I don't want a large home. I like living in uh, what we would call resort living. But even here in Boynton Beach, um, where I live, I still think that what they're asking for a three bedroom apartment is astronomical. It was going from $2,400 to $3,800 a month. That is a huge jump. Let me repeat that. $2,400 for a three bedroom to $3,800. 
And so even with the amount of income, like I said, I make and I have my sons who live here with me and they make decent amount. That's still a lot just to put on the rent, let alone all of the other utility bills. Like we all know, FPNL has gone up as well. And so yeah. that was just some of the things that Rosa said that I spent a lot of time looking at other places. And it really didn't make sense because even when I looked around for three bedrooms in, in Boynton Beach at a decent rate, the minimum I found was $3,600. $3,600, just unbelievable. So I did tell the complex that I was going to leave. They gave me the 90 day notice, came in on Father's Day. I would never forget. I reached out to them on that Monday and saying, I'm gonna have to move. And I just not could not find anything reasonable. So on August 1st, it was time, uh, 30 days out, time to um, really make a decision on where am I going? What am I gonna do? I reached back out to the complex and I had a conversation with the manager management. I said, can I come into the office and we talk about this? We need to look in the market and see what's going on. And there are this rent, is this really what's needed? And luckily for me, they did re do another analysis and it went from $2,400 to $3,000. But that is still a lot of money. But within those three, those 90 days, as Rosa said, I spent a lot of time out talking to my friends, calling around the other complexes, trying to find out where you want to live. And I could have lived somewhere cheaper. Let's be honest with that. But I did not want to go in those particular neighborhoods. I like staying where I live and having the, uh, the lifestyle that I have. But I still believe even with that, the rent is still entirely too high for, for individuals. So that, that is my story. So I'll open the floor for any questions Do or any comments. Do any of the system leaders want to respond about any of the... I don't know whether there should be any laws about the amount of, of increase that could be allowed yeah. or anything like that. Or I also at one point would love Ali to tell her story and Morris and Plyde had a big story as well. So I'd like the system leaders to really hear what the residents have faced. And then let's talk about how some of these things can be resolved. And, and I just want to kind of jump in that at 211, of course, we're hearing these stories every hour on the hour, if not more during the hour. And I was looking at our stats and um, for the, this third quarter, we had roughly 12,600 um, calls and contacts coming in. And for the needs, the housing is now surpassed mental health need as about three quarter of, you know, 30 percent of the needs expressed are people looking for affordable housing, looking for shelter, not sure what they're going to do. We're hearing those stories every day, every hour on the hour, I'm quite sure at the call center. It is something, and I and I wanna um, also stress that we think of it as happening to somebody else, but it's impacting all of us because if, if it's either our rent is going up or our homeowner's insurance is going up, or the property tax is going up, or we're getting served by somebody that's living out of their car. You know, when you hear priced out of paradise and how the nurse sleeps in her car at night and then goes to work the next day, um, this is impacting the quality of life and the quality of the people's ability to do their job to the best of their capability. So it's impacting everybody. Yeah, I I can tell you that, um, you know, I'm, I'm Every room that I go into, we could be talking about food or health or transportation, or we could be talking about safety and justice or whatever. And housing is always a topic that rises to the surface. And so I'm at the point where I, you know, talking about it is not usually is it's not going to lead to any meaningful solutions uh, at this point but we there are some options that are available which i'm i'm sure um commissioner bernard will elaborate on with when uh with the discussion around uh the november bond uh, and both commissioner bernard and i have been in tallahassee looking at pieces of legislation that you know didn't see the light of day um, around these issues. So there are there are potential solutions um, out there, not panaceas, not not things that are going to so solve the problem, but things that will start moving us in the right direction. Uh, solutions beyond you know us just you know helping twenty thousand households 
you know, with rental assistance, just which is just a Band-Aid solution and um, this just bridging the gap uh, because the last time we, the last report we received on evictions uh, in Palm Beach County, the numbers are back pre-pandemic level, uh, almost higher than they were pre-pandemic. Uh, we had curbed them quite a bit with pushing out all of this assistance, but uh, as as the dollars for, for these programs um, begin to, to deplete and the emergency assistance, we should, we're averaging about 5 million a month. So we only have about 15 million left. So by the, the turn of the new year, um, you know, those, those dollars are not, not going to be available anymore unless we receive additional dollars, which we've applied for. But, you know, beyond that, um, there has to be policies that, um, will allow us to get more housing online that will hopefully, you know, mitigate the demand uh, to some extent. Like I said, it's not going to be a panacea. Uh, and that will help address some of these challenges. Uh, otherwise, we're just kind of spinning our wheels. Yeah. Hey, hello. Um, I'm, I'm listening to James um, talk about this. I'm just looking at some of my notes here. Um, that is unedible to, to happen, that we're going to see an increase on the amount of evictions that we have. Um, now that landlords can resume back to evicting people, what are, something has to give, and I've been saying this for a moment, something has to give. We don't have an additional funding coming in to, to help these renters with their rent. So something's going to have. The gas prices have gone up. Grocery bill has gone up. Rent is going up, utilities going up, and as an as a business owner, I can't afford to pay my employees more money than what I'm currently paying them now. So something is going to give at some point. Something has to give, and unfortunately, it's the home the renters that's going to suffer. And so, I have an example. Three of my employees live. All three of them live in an apartment complex that's connected to one another in different areas but on the same street and all of their rent went up a minimum of $600 to $1,200. Now, grocery's gone up, rent's gone up, utility's gone up, and they're not making any more money on the job. Something they're going to have to give. And so as you speaking as, as some type of policy has to be in place, something has to be in place like yesterday. Continue to have these issues. Morris, I, we, I, I think we're saying the same thing. And oh, yo, absolutely. I'm, absolutely. We're saying the exact same thing. And what I'm saying to you is that there are these conversations are happening, and we have one of the biggest champions for the best solutions, the potential solution that I have seen on the call with you now. But he can't, he's been basically, he's almost like carrying this water alone because you know, we're very limited to what we can do. So right. for, I, for, I that, for, for Commissioner Bernard to be able to have people like you to help him to carry this, this thing across the finish line is one of just, it's not, not going to resolve all of our, our, um, our problems, but it's, 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 the st it's a step in the right direction. Uh, and that combined with, perhaps some other policy solutions, uh, we, we can begin to move in the right direction. So that's that's what I'm saying. I'm 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 ready for some solutions just like you are. Yeah, I'll agree. So my my the reason that it sounds like I guess I am coming across a little frustrated. It just it just uh, I'm not I'm just sharing. But what do we do like right now? Rent went up three months ago. The rent was increased almost yeah three months ago. The rent was increased. So what do they do? And one of them had to move out, just had to move out and find a, a, another place because they couldn't afford that. But what do we do like right now? And I know policy is going to take time. There's going to be a lot of effort, a lot of work, hard work from everyone. And yes, I, I and I hear all the great work that, that Mike Bernard is, um, that Mike is trying to do. Um, but in the meantime, what do we do for those people right now? 
I think so, um, before we uh, transition down uh, with that question, um, I think uh, what you were saying, Morris, that's my father, um, what you were saying uh, definitely is uh, a good transition to talk about the mental health aspect of everything. Because we've talked about, you know, um, and Gerna, maybe we can ask that first leading question um, to get the conversation, you know, again, on both sides of uh, flowing, uh, talking about the housing, but then directly, how does that relate? So you mentioned that someone had to move out. And then we talked about how um, Rhonda was able to talk to someone in her office where her rate went from 3,600 to 3,000, which is still a lot, but you know (laughs) still a lot but there was like that decrease was able to assist in some way so like um go ahead um Allie something that I don't think has been talked about um so myself coming from where I'm coming from I went from paying 1100 till today I pay 2300 um I've been able to fortunately get additional work, shore up resources. But the, the one of the important things is I was very, very fortunate, saved by someone who did a, who has a private mortgage helping me to sort through this. Now, that being said, why, so I think in my town, the rate of homeownership is 17%. So my city, sorry, how are we ever going to treat, how are people ever going to be treated well if where we live is somebody's business and income? You know, we're going to be targeted in rent raises and everything is going to completely go off the charts because it's not so... 17 every all the other homes in Riviera Beach are owned by corporations or business different business owners that's not I think an answer is home ownership and then there has to be some kind of cap how can it possibly be legal for people to just decide they're going to double people's rents mm-hmm. and so no after you finish Ali, I'm sorry it all depends on where you live at. So one other thing I wanted before, let me give a little backstory just real quickly of my, so I'm uh, my oldest, well, my daughter at home, I have a disabled daughter. So prior to moving where I am, I was trying to maintain income to keep her insurance through social security. So those people there are a vulnerable population as well. But my my landlord where I was living is one of the slumlords. She doesn't care about getting, um, she doesn't care about getting liens because she's just renting. And a lot of the people within my neighborhood, the way that we're, they're dealing with the different problems is they, they're renting bed space on the floor. So when I went back to where I used to live, the woman that, used to make me pay cash for where I lived and wouldn't accept a check till I was able to go through mitigation with legal aid during the pandemic. But what she does now is she's divided that house into like three separate living spaces and she has immigrants living there paying cash. So there's a whole, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to, I want to let the gentleman who was speaking before interject. Okay, yeah, so. Ray, and after you, I think it'll be a good transition for Jessica. Um, I saw that, I think you had went off mute too, but, you know, talking about the um, disability community as well. And I, I think we can hit on that, but go ahead, Ray. So I'm on both sides of it, right? So I did talk about my uh, kids, but I I work hard and I believe that American dream or wealth is really created through our real estate. So we invested in some other property, right? So I'm a landlord. So um, when when the time came to renew the uh, lease, the rent in the area went up maybe from a thousand. It's a senior citizens community. It went up from a thousand dollars to like sixteen hundred. 
Bethana and I being the good Christians that we are, we said, we, we can't do that. So we have a conversation with the tenant and we say, what can you afford, right? And he says, blah, blah, blah. We say, that is fine. Guess what happened two months after that? Now, mind you, the taxes went up, the, in, the insurance went up, and we didn't even see an insurance hike yet. It's going to go up another 30% after this hurricane, Florida-wide. So the insurance went up, taxes went up, and two months into the lease, the AC breaks. I'm barely making even. I'm barely breaking even. The AC breaks, right? That's $6,000. <laughs> what do I do? He says, my, my AC's busted, Rev. You got to fix it. No problem. I'm, I'm sending somebody over. It's two months. God forbids the refrigerator don't break and the stove don't break. But guess what I'm going to have to do next year? I'm really going to have to raise the rent just to break even, right? Here's the elephant in the room that nobody talks about is the insurance prices that are going up that it seems as if we don't want to tackle. So building these 20,000 homes um, over the next 10 years, it's a great start, right? It stops the bleeding. But, but what else do we do? Let's talk about the insurance rates. Let's, let's talk about property taxes going up. Let's talk about HOA fees going up. I know that we're, we're talking about the big businesses, but what happened to the mom and pop guys that have one or two houses that we believe that wealth is created through this stream? And we try to do our thing. Ray, can I, I want to answer, answer that question, if it's okay, really quick here. Ray asks, what are we going to do? The, the homes that's coming now is not going to come in time enough. So we talk about policies. Let's, and this is where County Commissioner uh, Mike Bernard, you can probably help us in this, in, in this sense. Let's look at some of these zoning, the way that we're zoned in some of these communities. We have people okay. inside of the community that have lots of land but we're zoned into like a senior family. So if they allow them to become developers, allow them to build apartments versus putting a single family home on their lots. And now it will help with some and absorb some of these issues that we have Tiny. when it comes to homes. And so, and, and, Tiny. and I'm sorry? Tiny homes. Tiny homes, anything. You can do tiny homes, yeah. but, but you can have a, for example, you can take, I'm on two lots. My house on two lots. If I had a vacant two lots, instead of putting a single family home here, I can put four units on here. And so now I'm helping to absorb some of the needs that we have for affordable, attainable homes. I, an affordable home doesn't work for me. Attainable homes. Some Something that I don't, I want to interject in the conversation is I know that some, there was a farm that I know of that was taken away to put affordable housing there in downtown West Palm Beach. But uh, something that needs to interject into the uh, mental health crisis portion of it is, why does affordable housing have to be by the railroad? Uh, there needs to be, the, or no, they're calling it workforce housing. That's offensive in my opinion, because you're the workforce for who? Who are we working for? You're going to put us in a tiny box to take care of you on the on the in your mansion it's offensive everyone deserves to have equal housing opportunities sorry interject uh, no no problem to interject um I, I think that's the you know again the purpose of the conversation for there to be open dialogue so we've heard system leaders we've heard more from the um you know the community i just wanted to uh we have isra at, excuse me if i pronounce anyone's name incorrectly but um Linda and uh, Wendy, I just wanted to also give you the opportunity to talk if there was something that you wanted to say, but then also use the chat too to continue the conversation if there's something that you wanted to point out. Um, James is doing oh, I, that now. I, think so, I, you know. I want to jump in a little bit. Um, and I, after hearing anybody, especially Miss Wanda Rogers, I think what what you did, and I always go back to education and and uh, um, maybe financial literacy and, and things like that. You took the opportunity to meet with your landlord and negotiate, right? 
So from a $3,800 to $3,000 is still high, but I think you took, that is one step that many of the clients or many of the residents that my organization work with in that space doesn't do. And, you know, part of what we try to do is to educate and have people advocate for themselves and have that just don't take it as a for that complete. So you just, you, you, you negotiate that, you know, that was part of, you know, we need to continue to do that. Um, the other things that we've been doing in that space and James uh, Green is on the call is uh, for people, we've received those eviction calls, the homeless people, the you know, all the time. So we have also a community connector. That's one of the uh, decisions that Community Part of South Florida did about a year ago, two years ago, to hire someone uh, to put the, place them in the community to receive that, those calls so we can navigate the process and help them to access the funding from the county uh, when uh, they are becoming homeless. And you heard Mr. Green said that they spent most of the money, only $15 million is left. So maybe part of the conversation is like, how do we, uh, or to the system leaders or to the officials, how do you have um, money uh, that in space, in place for this thing that doesn't necessarily come from the federal government or from the state funding, but local dollars to help with um, rental assistance as well uh, for people who are being evicted. Mrs. Rogers was fortunate enough to be able to be able to pay her rent and still maybe looking at other places to rent. But many people will come to us doesn't have that opportunity. So they have we have to connect them to, to a shelter um, or to 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 rental. So we've done that. But to finalize my point is I think. Um, it's supply and demand. Somebody, the luxurious, the luxury um, uh, affordable or rental producers, they can charge $3,000 because we don't have enough workforce rental housing or homeownership for people to go. So it's always going to be rental, rental and supply. Florida is a place where people want to come. So we need to, uh, to everybody's on the call agree that we need to build more units. And I think uh, that's where the local government right now, Palm Beach County is trying to move forward with, uh, you know, the funding that they are tra trying to make a place. It's a start, it's one of the tools. It's it's like one quarter of what we need or even barely that, but that is a start. So I would say that building homes at affordable pricing, whether it is homeownership or rental, is extremely important. We cannot have a, a county of homeowners, homeowners only without thinking about the renters or people with disability. My company have uh, replaced people with mental illness. Uh, we on, but we only have 30, you know, I think about 50 beds. You know, we have three properties and 50 beds. And it takes a lot of supported services to make that happen. It's just not the weekend model. It's also supported services. So whenever I have a chance to be in front of Mr. Green, in front of uh, Ms. Stippet or in front of Mark Benoff, we that's the conversation that I have with them. So not only that you need to have people um, who have a diagnosis of mental illness being placed in homes, but they also need supported services. But we are also creating a bunch of other people we are experiencing mental illness because they don't have a place to stay, even if they are full-time workers. So um, I think it's uh, all of us together, the mom and pop, the affordable housing builder, and the people, the church who own tough tons of land, that we can work with them to find uh, land to build. So we all need need to be in this in this. Uh, and that's what I want to say, that we only have about 20 minutes left to our conversation. And I would like to have it uh, focus on possible solutions, maybe even creative possible I, solutions. And that's something that we're discussing at the Interfaith uh, um, event tomorrow, but we're looking at safe parking lot. But my issue is this, we really aren't pivoting fast enough. We're not moving fast enough on this. So I think looking at um, safe roommate type programs that can help match roommates, um, the zoning issue, how can we get those um, accessory dwelling units in place? I know every city has its own zoning. Maybe there can be a master plan coming from the county on that um, that could help expedite that. I don't know. 
But we, you know, there are places in this country where people are renting out their parking space so that somebody can pull in and spend the night in a parking space. Yeah. Because they don't have a car. So um, we are in the, uh, the paralysis of analysis. We really need to start hitting the rubber to the road and start working on us. We've got people living out of um, living out of storage facilities, living out of cars, living on the street, um, doubled up and trying to do the best they can, doubling up with family members or friends or whatever, and however long that's going to last. So it's not a sustainable. I mean, ultimately, the goal would be to keep people from being leave the homes that they're in now if at all possible because we're just generating more of a crisis every time somebody leaves their space unfortunately um i know we're in a society where we want to allow people to to make as much money as they can off of their property everybody has the right to do that but we also have to think of the the health and well-being of society i mean i don't want a nurse going into surgery on on me that didn't get a good night's sleep while she's trying to be safe in her car you know, and that's the kind of impact that might be kind of a harsh analogy, but the reality is true. people it's are just trying to make their way every harsh. day. It's true. Yeah. So so it's, it's, I saw that Jessica had her hand up for a while. Did yeah. you want to add yes. something? Um, so my I'm a mental health targeted case manager, and my role is telling clients to um, community resources for their needs to be met. And one of the major things is housing. But another issue is that my clients with Section 8 vouchers are homeless. So they do not have a place to live and they have the voucher. So um, one is at John Prince Park. They can't find, you know, a suitable place to live um, that can meet their needs. And they have the the voucher, the Section 8 voucher. And that's where I'm really running into a wall. Um, they, they're working, but they have funds because they have the voucher. Are you saying that it's right. not sufficient so, for the amount of rent being yeah, yeah. Rents went up over 33% last year and um, our new fair market rental values for 2023 were just released and an efficiency is going for 1200 is what what we should be charging uh, one bedroom for 15 a two bedroom for almost 19 and a three bedroom for 2500 and these are artificially inflated pricings based yeah. on the fact that people can afford to invest in property and hold that property at that value i'm curious if there's an open storefront are people or an open apartment, are they allowed to get a tax write-off because they're not getting the market value now? I mean, we have to look at what is incentivizing people. Also, can we? is there a windfall tax we can put on these people if the um, rents went up astronomically and don't fall in a line with their, their costs? And I understand yeah. if the AC breaks, it's going to cost a lot. But what, right. where can we start to implement a windfall tax and have yeah. that regenerate back into the community and i know that we and i'm gonna this is it i know we always talk about tiny houses but tiny houses aren't aren't density enough you know we need to think of density of proper properties if you can get 30 30 apartments on a space where you'd have six tiny homes you know that would make more sense because we don't want to start going for agricultural land okay. to build when we have vacant properties that could probably Are be utilized so I'm, I'm sorry, Wendy, I'm just going to interject really quickly and then circle back to Wendy. Uh, we only have about 15 more minutes left. I want to encourage everyone to take active, um, to be active in the chat as well. Um, there's a lot of resources that are getting listed there. Um, Wendy, after you, we're going to transition um, to Israel so because we, we want to really hear what you're doing in Delray Beach. But then after that transition, um, probably close out with uh, Commissioner uh, Mac Bernard. Uh, but go ahead, Wendy. Yeah, I think before we start, I mean, I'm a, I'm an, an advocate of tiny houses and have been for a very long time. But in Palm Beach County, there's uh, some issues with, with small infill houses like that. Um, and they're basically wrapped around hurricane codes. So, you know, tiny houses are usually built outside of Florida and brought in. But But we need to start thinking about we have a lot of housing um, on the coast, even in the glades. It needs to be rehabbed. It needs to be 
upgraded. It needs the boards removed from the windows. We, you know, we have housing, but we're not, we continue to not rehab it, allow it to be in the hands of slum landlords. We can't do rent control because rent control is not, uh, Commissioner, it's not legal in our state, correct? That is, that is correct. Only the state can regulate uh, rents. Can you, can, set, can you set the number of um, Airbnbs? Is there a way to um, have like a lottery where you can only allow you can't the legislature? The legislature also controls that. Right. Yeah. So great points and great question. Isra, uh, since you you already, you are talking and again, again, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing your name, but uh, I heard you were doing a lot of great things in Delray Beach. I think it's, uh, this would be a good time to transition, talk about that and then um, go to Commissioner Mac Bernard. But thank you, Wendy. Um, again, solid points were made as can, they've been- Can I just everybody. make one more point and I promise I won't say Yeah, go, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> go for it. So in Palm Beach County in 2022, our median income for a family of four is $90,380. Wow. That number is used to offset price points or set price points, set rental figures. So, you know, when I look around the community and I, I, I look at what's being built or what's not being built or rehab, all the new builds that are going on are not apartments. They're, they're home ownership opportunities, um, but not home ownership opportunities that any of, when I say uh, our folks, I mean our folks, really any folks, folks <laughs> can afford. Um, you know, if you were earning minimum wage and that just went up to $11 an hour, you have to work three full-time jobs in Palm Beach County to be able to afford a two-bedroom rental. Um, so I think we've got we've to turn our attention back to you know, there was a study done. It's probably outdated at this point because I think it was more than five years ago that said that 80% of our population in Palm Beach County earn less than 80% of area median income. But we, and when then when you get down into 30%, that's $27,000 or less a year, which is all minimum wage earners. Think about how many minimum wage earners we have in our community. Think about how many people 80% and below we have in our community. We're a service-oriented um, county. So bringing in big business is wonderful, but we can't forget about the people who mow our grass, take our luggage, bring our food to the table, launder our clothes. Yeah. Those yeah. people. work for nonprofits. Work for yeah. nonprofits. <laughs> so we can't forget uh, uh, no one really, and we have to focus on the people yeah. that really keep the community going. Um, can, can Ezra, I have one question? So, so I know, so it's a, we have, maybe we should have a part two <laughs> um, because this was a, uh, I think, a short amount of time to discuss something that was very important and um, even though we have system leaders, whether you're on the community side or the system leader side, there's still um, things that you have to deal with on yourself. So it's like, it's definitely a, a conversation that's fueled with energy. Um, so and we're going to transition. Uh, we only have 10 minutes left. Um, Ezra, I'm going to go to you and then finish off with uh, Commissioner um, McBenard. Well, uh, actually, uh I'll, I will lead to uh, my friend, Commissioner Bernard, only to say is uh, we need to hold our leadership uh, accountable. And everyone who's on this call and everybody who's watching, we dropped the ball. We can't just blame them. We've dropped the ball because we didn't do a good job of holding our leadership, our elected leadership responsible. Uh, one of the reasons that we've had some success in Delray Beach is that we are 
there advocating with the city commission on a regular basis for uh, the population that that is homeless in our community. Uh, but we all need to advocate for ourselves and we all need to advocate for other folks in need. Um, and if you let these people not respond to your needs, if you don't hold them accountable, they're perfectly happy not to respond to your needs. We're lucky in, in Palm Beach County because we have leadership like Commissioner Bernard, who has really been spearheading the effort to have our county put some, uh, put some uh, coin into the game. Because for years we waited for Tallahassee to solve our problem. For years we waited for the federal government to solve our problem and they, they didn't do it. And this housing bond that uh, Commissioner Bernard is spearheading really is an opportunity to really get our uh, community involved in a very direct way. So I'll turn it over to uh, Commissioner Bernard. Uh, thanks, Ezra. Um, you know, when you talk about holding people accountable, it's really important uh, because, you know, we can't rely on Tallahassee to address the housing needs of Palm Beach County. And so what we do have on the ballot this November uh, is a $200 million housing bond. And a $200 million bond, the residents of Palm Beach County will get a chance to vote in regards to addressing both workforce and affordable housing. Now, in regards to the language in terms of affordable a workforce, you know, we can all try to, uh, you know, determine what the wording should be. Uh, but our job is just, we just want to have houses for our essential folks in Palm Beach County. And how, how do we get to this point? Um, in order for us to do uh, the housing bond, the commission had to put it on the ballot uh, for the voters to decide. And now, what the folks in Tallahassee decided this past legislative session was they basically said that the county as a unit cannot do any education or any outreach regarding any bond or ballot initiative in the state of Florida, uh, which means that so no one from county staff can go out and speak on the bond at all. Uh, but me as an elected official, I've been able, I'm allowed to, because you can't deny my First Amendment right, to be able to advocate on this issue. So, you know, with everyone that's part of this call, uh, we've heard some of the concerns. We, we hear the cries. We know what's going on in the county. And this is a chance for us to build, the goal of the housing bond is to build 20,000 new units. As Linda mentioned, uh, uh, even though that we can try to do rent control, however, there is a lack of supply in Palm Beach County. Uh, an assessment was done in 2021, and it determined that over 20,000 units, in terms of workforce units, were short in the county. And so that's kind of like the goal of the housing bond is to pretty much let's try to head to the right direction to address some of these housing needs. And all of it, the $200 million are for both workforce and affordable housing. So for affordable housing, which means that uh, it is uh, people who make uh, less than 60% of the area median income. And workforce housing goes from 60% above all the way to up the way to 140% of the area median income. And so that's our goal, which is very simple, which is build houses that are needed right now. Now, of course, you know, Morris said, you know, we need this right away, which is I agree with you, Morris. Uh, but what I can tell you, the Board of County Commissioners, uh, we've approved three, uh, uh, three projects in Palm Beach County in the past three months that address affordable housing. Uh, one was in, um, in, in Boynton Beach, right on MLK and Seacrest. Another one is Berkeley Landing, which is all the way in Rivera Beach on Broadway and, and Blue Heron. 
And also we approved another development out in the glades. And so what we were able to do is use gap financing to be able to allow us to build those units. And so that's kind of like what we want to do is to be able to build those units as possible, go to scale, because we're hearing the questions, we're hearing the cries, and that we know that we have to act very quickly. Now, the one thing is the county, we can, we're only unincorporated Palm Beach County. So the work of your uh, leaders in Delray, in Boynton Beach, with Mayor Shelley Petrolia, uh, Mayor Ty Pinsurga, Lake Worth, with Mayor Betty Rush, uh, West Palm Beach, Mayor Keith James. And so uh, those leaders, and we've been working with them on the housing bond. So in that way, they're also buying in on the issue of addressing uh, the housing needs. Uh, but also part of the housing bond, which is the housing bond, which is just to create units, but also we do have a plan also to address rehabilitation and renovations of existing homes in our neighborhoods. And you know, uh, Morris with the Southwest Northwest neighborhoods, we have plenty of homes that needs roof repairs, windows replaced. And that's the goal is to be able to rehab uh, those existing homes. So in that way, folks who already have their home can really beautify their homes. So in that way they can stay uh, in the county. So that's kind of like our plan and we're not allowed to uh, the county folks cannot do the advocacy. And so the people there on this call, you know, you have your friends, you have your neighbors, and the residents will get the chance to vote on this housing bond. And we're really happy and excited that uh, it's on the ballot. And uh, the commission is uh, dedicated to housing. So we definitely would love to hear your questions or concerns. Hey, hey Mike, thank you for that information. And you, you hit the nail dead on the head about the opportunities that we have here in Delray and what we're actually doing, trying to do to address those needs. Um, is it anything, I think Patricia made a, uh, made a point. I was talking about the zoning here in Delray Beach. Is there anything that the county can do on a county level to help address the, um, the zoning in, in the cities? Well, you know, we have, uh, Morris, we have home rule. And so we really don't wanna come in and tell the city what to do. So what we've created is a housing task force with all of the mayors, uh, the big mayors in the county. And then we're talking about what plans can we do? What can we do in terms of uh, zoning changes, expedited permitting? What can we do as a group? And so that's kind of like the approach, which is let's work together, uh, bring everyone in a room. So in that way, we can address like the uh, mayor patrol she's involved and engaged in those discussions. So in that way, she takes it to her commission. So that's kind of like the thing that we're doing, which because we don't want to tell or try to tell the city of Delray Beach what to do or West Palm Beach, but we have to work collaboratively. So now we can address the needs of our residents. Thank you so much. This um, discussion has been very rich and we are all feeling the heaviness of these, the problem and the potentials for solutions. We have reached the end of our time and we want to respect everyone's time since we said we'd go till 6.30. Be well may consider doing a part two. Um, it's nice that we have all met each other because we have faces with, uh, with issues, faces with um, commissioners and faces with leaders of the different agencies that are involved in this. And I think it really helps to get to know each other, to realize the human part of all of this. So I'm going to turn it over now to Rosa, who has a couple of closing announcements. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Verna. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, listen, my heart is full. There is a lot of conversation around this. We could go on forever and ever. Um, but we want to thank you for being on the couch tonight, our leaders, our system leaders, our community connectors, our residents. Of course, um, we thank you so much, residents, for telling your stories and for um, just helping us to understand more about what you're going through. Um, we want to thank Commissioner uh, Bernard for being here. We want to thank Dane Green for being here. We thank you all. And we ask, we invite you to follow us, Be Well at Be Well PBC, on our Facebook, Instagram page. Also, before I close, close out, I want to mention that um, Be Well also has a public a newsletter publication by the name of The Well. And The Well is a, um, an online publication 
It was created to be the primary resource for behavioral health and wellness for Palm Beach County, a safe exchange space for the community and an outlet for our neighbors and stakeholders to transform the behavioral health landscape. We invite you also to subscribe, follow, and share the Well of PBC. Subscribe, follow, and share. Uh, with that said, we're going to uh, give you back the rest of your night. We thank you so much. And yeah, um, I'm telling you, there's a, I myself am right now, um, I see more and more homeless people, more and more homeless people, and it, it breaks my heart. So yeah, this is a, a conversation that definitely needs to uh, a follow up. But at this time, we're going to give you back the rest of your night. And we thank you so much for joining us.